One of the things with uh, failure, I used to think that, you know, it wasn't an option as being a musician, you know, that you had to be perfect. There was always some type of expectation and, you know, there were no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But I think one thing that stuck out to me when I was worried, you know, I was thinking about going home and I was worried that um, I just was a, you know, a complete failure if I left, you know, the big city, right? Is that my, um, my teacher, uh, Colin Williams, he actually had a conversation with me, was stuck with me for the rest of you know, my life is, you know, what are you in a hurry for? Welcome to The In Factor, conversations about how great entrepreneurs started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and with me today is my former student, Martika Jones. Martika is the founder and CEO of Boop, a digital business card platform that helps users save time, money, and never miss out on a connection. She has a fascinating background in tech, entrepreneurship, and creative marketing, and recently became the co-founder, along with her husband, at a company called Loomco, which is a creative agency specializing in graphic design, branding, NFT art, print marketing materials, and social media. I hope you'll join us as we talk more about Martika's journey from classical musician to tech entrepreneur. Martika, thank you for joining me today on InFactor. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor. Well, I am so excited to have you here. You're one of a few um, podcasts I've been able to do with my former students. And you've graduated. We were just talking about this. You graduated now a few years ago, a couple of years ago, December of 19, and uh, right before everything changed for us in the classroom. But uh, it was a delight to have you as a student, and it's so much fun to see all your success since you've been, since you've, uh, been out of school. Um, so let's start with that. I know you're running a couple of companies right now, Boop and Loomco. So could you tell us a little bit about uh, those two companies and uh, and correct my pronunciation if I didn't quite get it right? <laughs> yes, definitely. So um, Loomco uh, is run by me and my husband. We, we essentially are a creative agency. And uh, we just help brands, you know, find their identity. And we do that through, like, creative packages, logo, you know, social media, graphic design, um, corporate brand identities, you know, whatever you need to, you know, help your company get the online presence that it deserves. And with Boop, we're a digital business card tech company. So uh, essentially what we do is we help people save time, save money, never miss a connection again. And we help uh, professionals close more deals. Okay, great. <laughs> Two great companies, and there's a lot for me to dig into there because you mentioned you and your husband do this together. So, so maybe in a few minutes we can talk about uh, about how that works because I know some of our listeners might be really interested in, in how you might go about starting a company with your husband. But before we do, let's back up a little bit and kind of um, dissect how you got into this. You, I know you have a uh, you know, I think a very interesting background in history. So tell us a little bit about what you did uh, before you came to the University of Tampa and and got your Master of Science. And then we'll kind of dig into your entrepreneurship career after that. Yeah, so um, I had a, an, or I guess you could say an unorthodox uh, journey to entrepreneurship. I started out as an orchestral trombone player. I have been playing since I was 12 years old. 
And, you know, people thought that was a little weird because the trombone was bigger than me <laughs> at that age. Um, you know, they're like, why are you playing a boy's instrument? But I, I absolutely loved it. I, I fell in love with it. And um, I took that on to, you know, being from a little girl in Mississippi with big dreams to going to Montclair, living right, right outside New York City, which was definitely culture shock. Um, but that's where I started my undergrad uh, at Montclair State University. And I really got to get the Juilliard experience without having to pay that Juilliard mm-hmm. tuition, which is nice. Um, I got to study under world-renowned musicians like uh, Colin Williams, who's the associate principal um, trombonist of the New York Philharmonic. And yeah, that was a lot of fun for me. So, wow. And um, after that, I mean, I was doing, I guess you could say, different entrepreneurial things while I was pursuing music. I was uh, a beauty blogger, so I had Peace Love Chic, and I just was obsessed with getting, like, different, like, wigs and hair reviews, doing, like, makeup tutorials and all of that stuff. I really found my love for makeup in college as well. So it was something really nice to do on the side, uh, which kind of got me more into the influencer uh, marketing aspect of things um, by the time that I came and got my master's here. So after uh, graduating and getting my um, performance degree in trombone, I did a few gigs, but realized that it wasn't sustainable. <laughs> it's really hard to, you know, be a musician. So I went back home for a little while, um, and it was my fiance at the time, but now my husband. And we moved to Florida, you know, for different opportunities. Wanted something different, different scenery, start over. And I, you know, got um, I came over to UT because of actually hating my job. I know a lot of people go into entrepreneurship, you know, because they didn't like their job. I was being groomed for management at a WAC center. And then that just kind of never happened. And I was really frustrated with that because I wanted to have something that I felt like I could call my own. And that's why I ended up going into entrepreneurship is because I wanted to create something that was my own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that's all part of that program, right? You know, the, the goal is to help you build your entrepreneurial network and your skills and then help you launch your company. Now, when you were in school, um, you were working on some different projects, I remember. How did the, tell me, let's talk about the transition. How did, as you first came out of the program, you know, what did that look like for you and how long did it take you to get to Loom and Boop? And I'm, 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 I'm not sure which one you started first, or did you start them at the same time? So essentially, Loom Loom was already there. So um, as you know, it was originally collage when I was in the yes, in the program. I remember that yes, name, collage. collage. Yes, and um, we transferred over to to Loom. So after I got out of the program, it was definitely like a shock from having you know that huge like support system you know for that entire year, and then having to be like, oh wow. Little birdie's out of her nest. I have to go do this on my own now. Um, and yeah, I I had a partnership. At first, it was more than just me and my husband. We had a, uh, a third partner. And um, due to some circumstances, it unfortunately didn't work out, which also caused for the name change. But we actually like this name a little bit better uh, for what we're doing. So we just went into that, started helping uh, other startups, and Boop was actually born out of that as well, um, out of the dissolution of the first company. Um, when we were, since we're really big on helping with digital first impressions and things like that, and with the pandemic going on, we were like, oh, well, this would be a great contactless way to still, you know, connect with people because we were really big on human connection. And so Boop was born because 
the name one is culturally relevant. You know, you boop your baby, you boop a cute dog, things like that. It just the it just stuck with us. So we decided to, you know, create um, a SaaS platform so people can go in, have you know, creative freedom, and you know, just really express themselves, get their branding on point, and then just you know when everything opened back up again, you know, go network. And then this is not only the contact list and eco-friendly way, but, you know, it's also a more efficient way to, you know, to do things. So, um, and just after looking at the stats with, you know, how much waste we have with business cards, like from 27 million business cards being printed every single day, that's like almost 10 billion a year. And uh, 88% of those go into trash by mm-hmm. weeks in. It's just kind of like, you would think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just... and and that's very cool. So, uh, so really, the boop came out of the 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 essence of boop really came out of this whole side of, you know, how can we be more creatively share who we are with our network? And so, tell me how I boop. How does that work? <laughs> so, um, essentially, what you would do is just tap your phone like if it's an iphone tap at the top on like my bracelet or you know whatever boop device you have and then a browser will pop up and it'll have like my profile picture you know social media and you know all relevant buttons and also my v card so you can click it downloads my contact information right there in your phone so cool so so you actually have a, a boop uh, uh bracelet and, and I, I see yours uh, <laughs> yeah. what are there other boop accessories or uh yeah we have um we have one where you can have it under your phone case or you know we have like a bubble that can be over your phone case and um, we're working on a few other products coming in as well like that shape of the business card because we know some people still like the you know the look and feel of a yeah business card. so so it could be it could be you know I, I'm looking at your phone and it, it could be just something that you stick to your phone so it's very simple or you could have a bracelet or you could add it to some other accessory that you have it and it, it stands alone the boop device stands alone so is there a lot of competition for you in this space or are you all sort of uh, you know ahead of the game or or both we have, I would say both. We have a few competitors. Um, we have one that started right before the pandemic. So they were positioned pretty <laughs> perfectly, I, I would say. Um, and they took off. But I consider that a testimony to what could, you know, happen for, you know, other early stage startups that, you know, are doing something in that similar field. Um, another way that we're differentiating from them in particular is niching down. So we're they were able to kind of go on a global scale, which is something we do want to do. We learned very quickly that trying to be everything to everyone will make you nothing to nobody pretty pretty quickly. So we um, ended up partnering with, we were fortunate enough to partner with Mike Puma, CMO of Century 21 Beggins, and we're going through um, essentially all of his brokerages right now as a uh, testing ground to just work strictly in the real estate industry. And then our plan is to saturate all of Century 21 and then move on to other brokerages and realty companies as well. Yeah, so. you know, you said some very important things in that that last response. And as a start, as an early stage company, you're kind of beyond the startup. I mean, you've already got traction. And but as an early stage company, I you know, you were talking about how quickly you could become 
uh, I think you said nothing to anyone, right? Yeah. So, so basically trying to be everything to everybody doesn't always work, especially when you're getting started and you learned that lesson and, and had to pivot. But, but ideally you've, you've, you've tapped into a really uh, significant market and tell me how this could be of, you know, benefit in the real estate space. I mean, what's going to be the real add, add on value? Yeah, so with Boop and um, and actually getting feedback, you know, from a lot of these, uh, you know, realty companies, it's made it very easy for us to adapt things accordingly. So we found that what's the biggest thing, and, and it was something that I didn't even realize till looking deeply at it, because it's just a normal mechanic to us, but um, is the V-card option where it's just downloading when you click the button downloading it into your phone and that person now has your contact information you would think that's a very simple concept but it's deeper for realtors anybody who's trying to sell something to somebody because now when they do that follow-up that person has their name coming up on their phone and their info like you know mike from century 21 vegans you know under it that's huge for a lot of people. It's not another spam call. You know, the, the natural tendency is to be like, oh, well, if it's important, I'll leave a voicemail, right? Right. And then who really gets back to that? And with realtors, they're, they're on their six, seven, eight follow-up for people all the time. And, you know, and they're just getting that tossed to the side almost essentially like a business card, right? Right. Um, but with just that one mechanism, we have so many other benefits, but just that one, getting people excited to put your name in your in their phone that and you're already creating that unforgettable experience with like this new way of communicating with them you know they're more likely to pick up mm-hmm. and you know and that's that's huge in that its own huge. right, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and um we, we have other features as well where we can essentially capture information so sms data um email capture things like that and we can practically be like your own crm so if you couldn't afford like salesforce or things like that you know we have that basic um abilities just in our own platform to capture all of that data so that you can follow up you know just as officially as you had a crm Mm -hmm. well you know you were talking about focusing in on real estate but i know before we got started today you mentioned that you really love working with startups (laughs) and you have a real passion for helping them so talk to me a little bit about what what does a startup need to think about when they're creative creating their brand and and trying to reach out to customers because we both know it's all about sales especially in the early days i mean you've got to survive you've got to make a sale right right and, um, you know, even if you've been fortunate enough to raise money, that doesn't last long if you're not making sales, right? So exactly. you got to make sales. you got to sell. you got to learn to sell. And, and that means communicating with customers and knowing about them and having a message that they can, they can capture, especially in today's world, right? There's yeah. just so much going on. So what, what are some of the things that a startup or an early stage company needs to think about most when they're trying to figure out what their brand's going to look like and maybe even trying to find a branding agency like yours to help them? So what I feel like a startup should, should work on essentially is what are you wanting the end user to accomplish, right? And I feel like that will, you know, starting there and then working backwards will really help you. Because, I mean, even as a startup that's, you know, or more later, early stage company uh, down the road, I still find myself 
constantly learning and having to adjust the message, adjust the message, because it's trial and error. You know, startups may not get it right the first time. And, um, you know, going from like a B2C to a B2C messaging, that's huge. And, And I think it just really comes down to knowing exactly what your end user is doing so that you can then um, kind of create your product or service around that, as, as well as the messaging. So, and it helps narrow down your target audience. So, are you saying sort of really understand what what matters most to them and yeah. what they're trying to accomplish? And yeah, what matters to the end user? Yeah. yeah. And what it, what are you know what are what have you found have been some of the biggest mistakes that? That I mean, and you, you know, maybe you've made, or that that other startups that you've seen have made in terms of messaging. Um, I think the biggest, and I've definitely made this mistake, is making it too technical. Uh huh. <laughs> um, uh-huh. people don't care about all the really lovely things that it can do like where I'm super feature heavy and I've had to learn to back off of that a lot and really come down to the emotional aspect because people care about all right well what's in it for me like how does this help me you know that's great and all but you know why should I buy your product over you know somebody else you know and I, I think a lot of founders and a lot of startups really mess up on that because we're just so in love with our product. <laughs> it, it, that's the problem, right? We're like, this can't be wrong. You know, people want this and that's our assumption, right? But, you know, you have to like adjust your assumptions or make several and then, you know, prove those right or wrong, right? But a lot of times we just, if somebody says something, we double down. We're like, no, like, I'm not the problem. You are, <laughs> right? But you have to, you know, that's when like the customer is always right, comes in, you know, it's in some parts of that is that you just, you constantly need to be challenging, you know, like your thought process on your product, right? And, you know, just playing devil's advocate all the time until you you really narrow it down. And customer discovery is where a lot of that comes into yeah. as well. I, I can, you know, I can <clears throat> say, you know, having been an entrepreneur myself and even with a lot of the projects I'm working on right now, that I, I'm never always clear on who that real audience is going to be. To, you know, and um, I, you know, for my podcast, uh, for my book, recent book, you know, it's it's been a surprise sometimes who it's resonated with. And and you're right. I think, you know, I, I went into everything with sort of the, these preconceived notions about what I was doing and and, you know, loving every aspect of it. But it, it's so hard sometimes to really hear that feedback. But it's there if you listen. Right. And. And that's, I think, one of the biggest challenges. And you mentioned that we all fall in love with what we're doing, <laughs> fall in love with our solution. You know, and I, yeah. that's you may remember I used to talk a lot about don't forget the problem you're trying to solve, because if you stay focused on the problem, you know, you, you can adjust your solution as you need to. I love I really love what you're doing. And I love that you've brought you, you know, you're a creative Basically, I mean, you love the mu- you love music. You you lo- you know you got really excited about uh, about uh, makeup and and hair and and all those you know things that are very creative. And you've turned that into a creative business, which I think is exciting. And you're doing it with your spouse, which is also amazing. So you know, I'd love to hear more about that. You mentioned that you're from Mississippi. Are you both? I mean, were you childhood sweethearts? And has this been a lifelong, uh, up to this point, you're still very young, but has it been a journey that you've made together? 
Oh yeah. So we're we're both from Mississippi. I'm originally from Vicksburg, and he's originally from Jackson. And we ended up meeting. Hi, when I was 18. I'm about to be 27 in a month, guys. <laughs> but, <laughs> Still very young. <laughs> but I met him when I was 18, and um, I was going to community college at the time. And it was just trying out that online dating, <laughs> uh-huh. right? And we ended up clicking and ever since. I mean, we've just we've just been inseparable. You know, we did the long distance thing at first when I was going up to New Jersey. He ended up moving up there with me. Um, you know, after things didn't work out, we moved back down. He's just, you know, he's just been very like go with the flow. He's he started off more like. I guess introvert-ish, and then like I was like the outgoing one. I feel like we we swap places <laughs> sometimes, but but um he was just always you know down for the ride. I call him my ride or die, and you know he's just been you know more than supportive. And he's a creative type too, so I think with his creativity, I call him like the um, the visionary, and I'm the operator, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when we establish those roles, and you guys, the program helped us really establish that because I'm like, who's who's doing what here? And you know, it, with spouses, yes, it, you could end up arguing and be like, you know, feel like you're doing more work here or that. But really, what it was is that we just didn't understand our roles. And on the moment that we did that, I'm like, he's a visionary. He, you know, he's the idea guy. He comes up with a lot of stuff. And I mean, I come up with a lot of ideas too. But like, I'm the person that sister and just thinks okay operationally like that's great and all but like now I have to process this can we do this? Out, yeah like yeah. can we can do we this make it work yeah, yeah and so I'm the person like that makes it happen right uh-huh. so and once we found that you know symbiosis I mean it, it's just been super and easy. that's so insightful actually you know that I think that's probably you know harder when you're I mean, it's true of any team and, and any partner that you might have, but I think it, it you, you compound it because in a way you never get away from work. So yeah, right. <laughs> is that a problem sometimes? I mean, is work part of everything you do? <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so I feel like work is a part of everything we do. I feel like if I'm being honest, we're still working on how do we separate work-life balance because while, while it doesn't feel like work for us yet, I'm sure as time goes on and things start reaching critical mass, we're like, okay, everything needs to stop. But we, we love what we do. And, and you know, as an artist for him, I, I can't imagine right now telling him to turn it off, stop creating all this brand identity, you know, stuff for companies because he just loves to draw. He, he That's what he does, you know, and I'm here to just, you know, help make sure that, you know, we're communicating with the clients and, you know, what the clients need. And I'm just there. So it doesn't feel like work. And with Boop, the, the same premise, you know, other than going out and meeting new people and, you know, going to networking events and sometimes being, I guess, not as outgoing as I used to be. I think thanks to COVID probably, but, you know, trying to get back out there, um, that can be like emotionally daunting. And sometimes I feel like, okay, I've talked to like 50 people today. I need to like shut down for the week or something. But other than that, it's it's the same thing. I, I love you know, networking, talking to people, um, you know, talking about Boop. I love getting on calls with Mike and ideating. I think I don't think a day goes by where we ideate new things. Yeah. You know, it's just constant motion of like creativity in the house. And I mean, yeah, we play video games, but even with that, like 
I still think we're coming up with things because we're getting inspired by, by the by video the, games, uh, right? <laughs> well, you know, that's what's really that's what's really fun, I think, about doing creative work is you get inspired by everything, yeah. everything that you see. Uh, some of it positively, some of it negatively, but it's all inspiration, and it all starts to factor in. And for me, that's what, one of the things that's so cool about creative work. You know, and and what's interesting about it is if you didn't take this path or play that game or meet that person, the outcome might have been completely different. So it's I love that. it's such a unique I think everything's unique, right? Yeah, I feel like with that, like, you know, how you were saying with the different options in the video game and it just didn't dawn on me till now, but that's literally scenario analysis all day, right? Yes, exactly. That's <laughs> you what you're know, like doing. what would have happened if I would have gone this route or done that or said this differently? I mean, it's that that's literally what what we're doing like every day. So, you know, interestingly for me during the pandemic, one of the silver linings was that I was able to finish the book that I've been wanting to write and get that's that awesome. pr- produ- published. Did how did the pandemic work for you all because since you worked together, w- were you able to really dig in together and get a lot done or was it a was it a you know, a t- sort of a, a barren time in in your work because you've you've accomplished a lot. It seems like since the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, I I've really found the silver lining in the pandemic because we, you know, he was always um, working like another job. He would do you know Lumco on the side, but now he gets to do it full time. So um, he's a dental technician by trade as well. So he was working at laboratories, and when he got laid off. I feel like, honestly, even though we were inseparable, that was the most time we've ever spent together. And we didn't get on each other's nerves. So I consider that a blessing. That's a good thing. Yeah. Right? It was more like a really long honeymoon or something. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I mean, we sat there and we just ideated. And, I mean, out of that pandemic, you know, a lot of things, you know, came to head. You know, the dissolution of the first company. But I think we got to see a lot more, like, because we were there involved with everything. The dissolution of the first company, but the birth of other companies which um, was really beautiful, and we're actually glad that that happened. But, um, yeah, we we would play, obviously, a lot of video games, but we would do a lot of work as well, and I felt like we, we got a lot more done. Um, I was able to take that year and kind of simulate what I learned in the master's program and just redo it again for startups. And that's actually what I love is the ide- ideation and implementation phase um, phases of the uh, courses. I was able to just essentially rinse, repeat, and do that for everything while – I'm not a fan of the financial <laughs> course yes. aspect, but I mean, I mean, but the good thing is I got good at it, right? That's what matters. So doing like those performance and things like that and having to redo it for a whole new industry and all that research, it was daunting at the time, but like, I'm just thanking my past self <laughs> for yeah. getting through it because like now future self doesn't have to, you know, well, deal with that much. You just made my, <laughs> you made my day because you just told me how you were able to take what you learned and apply it again and you'll be able to do it again and again and again because as we both know an entrepreneurial journey is multiple practice right and oh, you yeah. just keep you keep doing it you never perfect it but you just keep keep at it. you show up every day and you learn something every day and you keep going forward so it's just oh, yeah. it's so wonderful to hear you talk about it so one of the uh, on this program Martika a lot of times I like to talk about um resilience and and it's an important trait of entrepreneurial success you, you know yeah. ma- managing past or executing past failure and becoming resilient is a very important thing to learn and i'm sure that you know you've talked about the the um the disillusion of your company collage and i'm sure that was a painful experience 
And uh, I'm sure there were a lot of elements there to deal with. And, and I know because you've reached a, you know, a certain level of success, you've dealt with failure because that's part of it. Uh, could you talk a little bit about how you approach failure and how you've built resilience and how you're, you're working on that uh, even maybe today as an entrepreneur? Yeah, so um, one of the things with uh, failure, I used to think that you know, it wasn't an option as being a musician, you know, that you had to be perfect. There was always some type of expectation and you know, there were no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But I think one thing that stuck out to me when I was worried, you know, I was thinking about going home and I was worried that um, I just was a, you know, a complete failure if I left, you know, the big city, right? Mm-hmm. Is that my um, my teacher, uh, Colin Williams, he actually had a conversation with me, was stuck with me for the rest of you know, my life is, you know, what are you in a hurry for? Like, why are you in such a such a huge hurry? You know, I have friends that, you know, went to Juilliard and now they're off, you know, in realty or something and they're making way more money than I am. <laughs> you know, and, and I, it was just, I guess, shocking to hear that from, you know, somebody like that. He has like all this success and he's telling me, like, don't feel like you have to rush into this. And I took that with me and it kind of changed my my tune on what failure is like. It doesn't mean that it's all over. It just means like, you know, you just need to pick yourself back up and try something. And honestly, after, you know, leaving there, it was the best decision that I made because now I was able to try something else that I might have loved that I, you know, didn't put 13 years into or, you know, 14 years. Um, And yeah, so when collage, you know, uh, dissolved, yeah, it hurt. I even was had a meeting with somebody that day and I was literally in, like almost in tears, like having a business meeting. And, you know, I came out of that just, you know, just fine. I was like, you know, if I could do this, I could do it again. And honestly, at the end of the day, it just taught me another lesson. You know, it was one of those lessons that we learned in, um, uh, in the master's program, just you need to be careful who you partner with. Right. I mean, that was that was that particular lesson. I've learned so many lessons with failure, but just this most recent one is, you know, sometimes you don't need the people that you think that you need. And, you know, you can get a lot done um, on your own or with a, you know, uh, on call team or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you don't you know, have to give up everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that that's so powerful, you know, and, and so many things you said there are so powerful. You know, I love that. What are you in such a hurry for? And I think, you know, you mentioned perfectionism as it's probably part of the, I think you said the psyche of a musician. And I've struggled with that at many times in my life, too. And it, it leaves me uh, exhausted from uh, anxiety, usually, rather than better. So, you know, this being able to to accept that failure and change, and, you know, failure has to be redefined in a lot of ways, because you didn't fail as a musician. You had a wonderful experience, learned a lot, and who knows what the future's going to have. Like your, like your professor said, uh, what's in a hurry? You may be doing it someday, but at the same time, um, you know, you've got something else to do now that you love. And so what a blessing that is. So really, really love that. And, um, you know, I just, I, I love your attitude and your approach to what you're doing. It's just, it's very special. And it's so great to see all of your success. And I, it, you know, I'm just honored, honored to be able to call you one of my students because I'm so proud of you. It's, it's just very cool. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. And 
I really don't know what I do without you guys. So <laughs> that's why I love coming back. Yeah, well, we're we're very proud of you. You know, I I could sit and talk all day because I just love all the things that we've been talking about. But we, um, you know, we usually uh, try to wrap this up in a, a certain period of time, and we usually end with a question, um, asking our guests what one piece of advice they would leave with their audience, knowing that a lot of our audience is where you were a few years ago uh, when you were a student. Um, you know, they, they want to be entrepreneurs or they're very early stage. What would be that one piece of advice that, that maybe you would have liked to have heard a few years ago? Um, I would say that um, my advice to everyone would be is to just sit back, breathe, really think about, you know, if you're wanting to be on this entrepreneurial journey, think about, you know, your offerings, why you want to do it, really think about your why. And um, also being an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you have to do it alone. Um, and that goes for like, you know, whether it's with people, resources. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I wish I was told is that, you know, just ask for help. Right. Um, be willing to give help and and, you know, ask for help because it really come, it really goes a long way. I'm just now honestly starting to ask for more help and, you know, provide help. And it's it's been immense, you know, just like the different resources that you can get, you know, just by looking around and being resourceful. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And, and um, you know, entrepreneurs tend to give back, so they love helping. So, and I know you're, you're, you're going to be the same, paying it back as you, as you move forward. Thank you, Martika. Where can our guests uh, connect with you? Where can they find out about Loomco and Boop and every, all the other wonderful <laughs> things you're doing? So um, you can uh, find our websites. It's boop.bio, so B-U-P dot B-I-O. And then loomco.net. And then you can find us on social media, Instagram, boop.bio, Twitter, boop underscore bio, and Facebook, the boop bio, and um, the Loomco on Instagram. And yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Martika. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about entrepreneurship, we would love it if you hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of InFactor.